the way that we can support the caregivers at the bedside by having technology readily available to streamline the work that they do. We have to continuously be innovative in our approach to healthcare. You are listening to CEO Perspective, a podcast by the Conference Board. Well, today I'm, I'm delighted to, uh, to welcome Jen Barris, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at HCA Healthcare, one of the nation's leading providers of healthcare services. And she's responsible for a, a very large remit, uh, responsible for delivering value to patients, to physicians, to communities, and shareholders through innovative HR solutions. She leads a team of more than 1,600 professionals, and she's in, responsible, obviously, for end-to-end uh, HR functions and processes, and has been with HCA Healthcare since 1993. Jen, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to, to uh, welcome you today and, and so looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, we've talked in the past, and some of the challenges that you have had at HCA Healthcare have been very, very unique, and I was struck by the the innovative ways in which you looked to address them during some really tough times in the last few years. And, and I want to dive into that today and, and kind of get your thoughts. But, but before I do, could you talk a little bit about your professional journey? And, you know, it's um, not always common uh, to spend one's, you know, you know their professional uh, career at a single company. And you've done that in a variety of roles. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. And sometimes it's the white space. Why a, a career move within HCA Healthcare made a lot of sense? Or what could you learn from it? Or tell, tell me about your thought process there, would you? Sure. My pleasure. So I joined HCA Healthcare about 30 years ago, fresh out of college. And interestingly enough, I had an extra neighbor who worked uh, for the hospital uh, down the street. And I reached out to her to get some assistance with my resume and to help me with some interviewing skills. And she connected me with the VP of marketing at the local hospital. So I had a marketing degree. As luck would have it, I showed up at the hospital for that opportunity. And the VP of marketing was not able to meet with me and connected me with the VP of HR. And we ended up having an incredible conversation. And I left there with a job offer. Never my intention to enter into HR, never my intention to enter into healthcare, but I fell in love, literally, Rebecca, from day one with HR and with healthcare. There's no more rewarding environment uh, to work in. I mean, I did do some retail while I was in college, so I've been in other environments, but the sense of purpose, the camaraderie, the passion of improving more lives in more ways is something that has just really motivated me throughout my entire career with HCA. And and you mentioned kind of it's unique to have somebody stay with a company that long, but we're incredibly large, one of the nation's largest healthcare providers. We employ over 290,000 colleagues, both here in the U.S. and in the U.K. And that means that we've got incredible opportunity. I like to talk about it as a career of a lifetime, because it's certainly what I've been able to um, enjoy. I have had the opportunity to zigzag and to move from HR to finance for a short period of time in my career, where I've really learned the business, doing decision support analysis and understanding hospital operations. We're basically standing up a cost accounting system. I quickly learned that I love numbers, but I love people more. Jump back into the HR side, and like I've shared before, I didn't stay in one place. I've done hospitals. I've done business offices. I've done supply chain. I've done physician offices. 
And then I had the pleasure of, of moving to Nashville, which is where our corporate headquarters are located, and joining the corporate HR team about 10 years ago. I stood up the talent management function, the HCA Leadership Institute, had an incredible opportunity to just contribute to our HR shared services. We called it the one HR model. And then about four years ago, I was lucky enough and completely honored to be named the CHRO for HCA. Well, that's an incredible story. And clearly, there must have been something very compelling about each opportunity that just kept you, kept you moving forward, expanded what you knew, gave you opportunities. I would imagine that in return, that's something that's pretty important for you to do with your team now. Absolutely. Just fully committed to advancing the development uh, of talent, not only in our HR organization, but our organization at whole. Um, and I think that we're lucky enough to be in an industry where a sense of purpose is at the core of what we do. We're not struggling uh, to find that sense of purpose. So we're we're really able to attract people for the right reasons. It, it's, it's a calling in a lot of ways, but that in no way negates the difficult times that we have um, from a workforce uh, perspective and making sure that we have the talent that we need to advance our agenda and to grow our business. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those challenging times, and we don't have to look too far back in history. Um, I'm sure there have been many times of challenge over the years, but especially the, the pandemic, it must have had an incredible impact on uh, on the workforce, which in your case is it's widespread and, and huge. And how did that play itself out uh, in the healthcare space, and particularly for, for you folks at, at HCA? What were some of the, the biggest things that you had to address, and, and what, what did you do that might have been when you look back on it, one of your smartest things. Yeah, so Rebecca, it was for me, it was literally about 90 days into my role as CHRO where the pandemic hit. And obviously we're healthcare. So we're not only concerned about protecting our own colleagues, we're concerned about protecting our patients and delivering care in the communities that we serve. And we saw initially in the pandemic was a lot of people stopped pursuing elective procedures. People were scared um, because nobody wanted to get COVID or be in an environment where there were COVID patients. We had to quickly maneuver the dynamics of what was happening in the various communities that we serve. And we had to figure out what we were going to do to keep our colleagues safe. And it's probably, Rebecca, the most Probably the proudest moment of my entire career with HCA, the way that we showed up. We showed up for our people. We showed up for our patients. We showed up for our communities. But first and foremost, it was, what are we going to do for our colleagues who have to go home each and every night to their loved ones when they're surrounded uh, by patients that perhaps are COVID positive? We started offering services. We were offering hoteling for colleagues who did not want to go home who wanted to work routine shifts and then go stay in a hotel. We offered laundry scrubbing services. We offered pandemic pay for any of our colleagues who were sick so they didn't have to tap into their paid time off bank. And then what happened when the government uh, decided to shut down surgeries, elective surgeries, we saw the healthcare demand even come to a, a slower halt. You'll relate to this because you spent your time in HR as well. We went from 35, 40,000 openings to 3,000 openings. So our recruitment team, it just, it slowed down tremendously. We then had caregivers on the sidelines because there was no surgeries that 
obviously meant that we didn't have the same demand for healthcare workers. We stood up what we called pandemic pay for our caregivers, and we allowed our caregivers who were sitting on the side to collect 70% of their pay, even though they weren't working. And we talk about this in, internally within our company and say, we were almost like funding our own unemployment. Our caregivers didn't have to turn to the government to get unemployment because we were taking care of them. And it's such an incredible source of pride that we are caring for our people, we are caring for our patients, and we are caring for our communities. So, Jen, I, I can't imagine, you know, I'm one of those lucky ones that got to work remotely for the privacy of my own home. And I don't know what it's like to be on the front lines in a pandemic. And I certainly don't know what it, what, what an outside observer, you know, you read these stories of heroism in terms of, you know, ungodly long shifts or just the, the, the stress that comes from this and knowing that these people took those chances to care for others. I mean, that's got to be just a, a massive point of pride during a time when you're not only trying to deliver services, but in operating with an awful lot of unknowns. I, I, I would imagine that the, you know, the, the challenge of all this helped because you had physicians who I'm sure were looking for ways to, you know, improve care or to, to manage in that environment. But it's offset by the sheer tsunami of what was expected uh, of our, our caregivers. I know we're all very grateful, uh, but I don't pretend to know just how difficult that was. I would imagine your people whom you reached out and took care of in different ways were extraordinarily grateful. And it must have led to higher rates of retention, I would think, when things picked back up. Well, that's an interesting point, uh, Rebecca, because it actually was the opposite. So at the really? at the start of the pandemic, we definitely saw retention uh, move in the right direction. We were already doing really well from some very, very intentional efforts. Uh, but when the pandemic first started, we saw retention, uh, again, continue to move in the right direction. But as things picked up and surgeries opened back up and capacity opened back up, and COVID spread farther and farther, the demand for healthcare workers be, became something like I've never seen before. So I remember hearing about New York and the number of uh, COVID positive patients in New York. Well, what happened is everybody was trying to get healthcare workers to go to these hot spots. So the travel companies that um, are typically great partners in demanding meeting our demand started offering incredible incentives for people to leave and travel to these hot spots. And we started to see turnover go through the roof because our caregivers could leave for quite honestly, just astronomical amounts of money and travel for 13 weeks and earn as much as they were earning in six to 12 months working locally. So it created an incredible challenging dynamic that we went from, like I mentioned, 30 or 40,000 openings down to 3,000 openings and then almost overnight back up to 40,000 openings of what were we going to do to respond to the demand. So then my talent acquisition team, we didn't backfill roles. So then we were short-staffed. My HR team was short-staffed. We didn't have enough recruiters. We didn't have enough people behind the scenes who were doing onboarding. We didn't have enough caregivers necessarily to meet the, the demand. So we we went from going 55, 60 down the highway, back down to going 25, 30, then back up to 75 miles an hour. And it was a strain on the organization for sure. But I'm really proud of how we've come out of the pandemic. I'm proud of the work that we've done to care for our people 
to respond to their resiliency needs, their emotional needs, their well-being needs. And we are we are getting back to that incredible point of strategically thinking about how do we build our workforce for the future. So Jenna hadn't hadn't really put that together to just kind of walked walked through it. Tell me how how did you manage to get back up to highway speeds and, and what were some of the specific things you did? I mean, it sounds like some of the travel uh, traveling agencies they probably looked at some of your best people and you know. Coaching, and I don't mean to cast aspersions, but you know, God knows what. But I mean, what, what did you do to, to stem the tide or turn things around? Well, we reinvested in our own internal teams. We, again, continued to look at our own workforce and what do we need to do to retain our current workforce. We launched an incredible effort under our talent acquisition strategy and added recruiters back in so that we could respond to the to the insatiable demand. We invested in our people um, the way that we've always had through tuition assistance and loan forgiveness, but we started to offer more well-being initiatives. We implemented something really cool called the Nurse Care Line for our nurses that are on the front line that could call the support line if they were having a difficult time dealing with a loved one or a family member of a patient or they just needed some support because they were faced with challenges that they hadn't been faced with before. And we, at one point in the height of the pandemic, had over a 25% utilization of that nurse care line. So we really uh, took a step back, too, and said, what are we going to do long-term to continue to address the workforce challenges that we have in healthcare? And we invested in a partnership with Galen School of Nursing. I'm super excited to talk about how we will soon become the largest provider of RNs, BSNs in the nation. We looked at the communities we served. We looked at the, the schools and the capacity that existed there and carefully assessed whether we're going to be producing enough talent for the future. And in those markets where we could see opportunity, we stood up a Galen School of Nursing. And we are now putting thousands of nurses into those programs, and they're not specifically for HCA, although we help to capture them. We're also helping the overall communities and making sure that there's talents available in these markets. And we're going to continue those efforts, not only in nursing, but in allied health. We've got a lot of work going on in our various markets and divisions to make sure that we're creating that capacity to continue to get people involved in healthcare. Well, I, I, I think your partnership with Galen is, is incredible because we all know there is a shortage of, of healthcare providers and nurses in particular. And so to be able to do that as part of a, a service, if you will, to the industry in, in many ways is to make sure that we do have the capacity that we need. That's, that's massive. And, um, it, it's a, a wonderful thing. You know, I, I love the, the nurse care line. I love, you know, the, the thoughts about how do we support people through this? Because they are at the epicenter of a lot of things. But even after the pandemic maybe shifted, um, you know, away from some of the high points of the crisis, um, it's it's a continual challenge. And I think the folks that you serve, physicians, healthcare providers, and this is has to take a long toll that's difficult to work your way through. I wondered if you maybe had a sense of you know, it, it burnout and what you specifically can can help. There, I know the, the nurse care line. I wonder if there are 
other things that that maybe help uh, other populations as well to help them deal with burnout or or feeling stressed or just just the inability to to maybe have the same level of resiliency that they might have had under other circumstances because this has never been a, a a job where you know you you just kind of come in and sat around the spa so uh, uh, there's there's a, uh, i think a a desire for people to build those skills and to be able to cope i don't i wondered if you could maybe share a little bit there yeah sure i just wanted to comment too on the discussion about the shortages this uh, most recent studies estimate that more than 100,000 RNs left the profession in the last year alone. So if you think that uh, about where we've been historically, that's probably the biggest annual drop that we've observed in the past 40 years. So the industry is facing a 10 to 20% gap in the supply of nurses and demand for patient care. And it's not just nursing. Like I said, it's it's other allied health professions. It's pharmacy. It's radiology, it's all those different components that are so critical to the delivery of care. So as we talked about retention and we talked about supporting our employees, our hospitals, um, although we do a lot centrally, our hospitals are just so in tune to employee relations and employee culture. And as I visited some of the hospitals, some of the things that I saw were just incredible. Um, One hospital um, created a gratitude walk and it was out in their um, pavilion. Uh, they had this little outside area where people could go for lunch. And along the path in the walkway, they created an opportunity for caregivers, physicians, nurses, other people to create or to write gratitude cards. And people would walk through that little pavilion or that garden and just stop and read the gratitude cards. So you probably have read this. I think our listeners have probably read this, that one of the best ways to manage your own emotional well-being is to focus on gratitude. And the results of that were so impactful, Rebecca. Their employee engagement scores and the retention scores just really went, like, top of the game. So other hospitals were creating Zen spaces. Some of them put in massage chairs where people could go and relax. Other hospitals created um, pet therapy where people could come down and spend time with their pets. I have a picture of one of our nursing units where they went to an end hallway where we didn't have patients and they were actually doing some yoga. I mean, our caregivers and our leaders were just really reaching for every possibility. One hospital created a team. I don't remember what they called it. It was something like the lavender team or something of that sort. Those people wanted to be there and to care for their coworkers, so they would call them whenever a colleague seemed down, and somebody from that team would go up and provide that emotional support. We put some EAP resources on site. We had WebExes. Again, a lot of work with our partner on the employee assistance program, um, and that work continues because that's important to resilience day in and day out. You know, I I think there's something about when you're expected to give more than you think you can and what you are giving is recognized doesn't mean you need a parade, but I love the idea of the gratitude cards and just, just the sim- the simplicity of that, that very, very powerful stuff. You know, Jen, as, as, as you think about the kind of challenges that you think are inherent in the healthcare industry and sort of where HCA is in, in its own journey, 
what are the things that are top of mind for you in terms of, gee, we need to figure out in advance, you know, how we're going to address X or Y, or these are the challenges that I think are just ahead of us. What What's top of mind for you? Yeah, I think that we have to continuously be innovative in our approach to healthcare. Um, there's so many amazing people in this world that are in this space that are researchers and thought leaders and care about AI um, and where we're going with technology and data and analytics. And, and I think the way that we can support the caregivers at the bedside by having technology readily available to streamline the work that they do. We've got a really cool initiative going on now where we've got a centralized team that can help via video, like a virtual nurse that can help via video when a patient gets admitted into the hospital. So if a nursing unit is running really, really rampant with uh, patients and needs some support, they can call and they can get virtual nurse assistance. We've got a whole arm of our organization that's working on care transformation and how do we use, again, data analytics and artificial intelligence to simplify the work of our caregivers so that they can maximize their time at the bedside. And there's really cool things happening because we're not just doing that top side at the corporate office. We're engaging our caregivers. Every year we have this really cool program where our caregivers, it's called Coding for Caregivers, our caregivers can come up with ideas on things that would make their job easier. And then the IT team prioritizes and takes the top three ideas and tries to bring them to life. So it's really an innovative culture. And we actually have an award program. We call it the Innovators Award. And prizes go to those colleagues who bring forth these types of ideas. So it creates that that culture of togetherness and that culture of innovation together. I love that. And I, I love the idea that you're bringing people into the continued use of AI. Granted, a lot of people are now, you know, aware of generative AI, but AI has been with us for, for a while. And to help them be part of applying the promise of AI in the workplace um, has to make them feel as though they are getting comfortable with even greater levels of technology, but helping them be focused on the things that matter most, which is patient care or supporting others. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you see uh, changes on the horizon that perhaps they're AI-driven, perhaps they're driven by some of the innovations that come from folks, you know, at HCA Healthcare. But I wondered if, if, you, if you had a crystal ball, where do you think the industry's headed in terms of the workforce and maybe how will it look in the future? Do you have a, a sense of what you're preparing your people to do? Wow, if I had a crystal ball, I could retire. <laughs> you could go on the road. You could go on the road. I could go on the road or I could just yeah, go on the road shortly and then retire. I think that it's, again, around the technology, the AI, again, to lessen or lighten workload, to automate where we can automate. Again, so people can operate at the top of their license, if you will. But we're in the people business, people taking care of people. And the need, the demand for caring, compassionate healthcare workers will never go away. So I think it's it's our duty, it's our passion, it's our obligation to continue to grow and develop people who want to pursue these careers because that need will never go away. I think that's that's exactly right. You cannot 
underestimate the number of people who appreciate as a patient. And I'll just speak from that perspective, because that's been my, you know, my perspective, but how much you hope for an empathetic caregiver who's probably pressed for time, but doesn't let you know it. Yes. Well, you know, Jen, as, as we have our closing moments here, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a couple of words of wisdom, if you, you might have for, for others, other CHROs or those who aspire to be, if you look back on some of the things that have served you well and some of the things that helped to make you an effective leader of an incredibly large team and an important mission, what advice would you have for, for folks? Well, our founder, Dr. Chris, said this, good people beget good people. And I think that is the number one leadership lesson is that we've got to surround ourselves with good people. I couldn't be more proud of the people on my team, the people that I work with, you know, day in and day out who have shown up and will continue to show up. Um, the camaraderie, the sense of purpose, meaningful conversations with people on your team, a commitment to care, a commitment to develop, and a commitment to involve people in the work that they're doing, I think is the way of the world and the new generation. People want to be engaged. People want to be inspired. People want to be cared for. And I think that's the biggest opportunity that we have is to deliver on that expectation. Well, that is a a wonderful aspirational goal for so many. But to speak with somebody who's making that a reality at HCA Healthcare, that's that's just a wonderful way to, to leave our podcast. I can't thank you enough, Jen, for choosing to spend some time and, uh, and and joining me on this podcast. I I know many are going to find this extraordinarily helpful on their own journey, and I thank you. My pleasure, Rebecca. It's been a, a real pleasure, and uh, thank you for listening. I hope you'll enjoy the entire series, uh, which uh, we are hoping to bring to you on a very regular basis so that it can provide you with the trusted insights you'll need for what's ahead. Thank you. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.